0: Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. So glad to continue the Summer Readings series. And this week, in these next few episodes, as you're listening in real time, will be from A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God, take time with these. When when you hear not only in the introduction and the preface, when you hear a little bit about his life, you know, in my uh, Producers Way School USA that's going on uh, right now, uh, their July assignment is to... Take hold of a biography of someone, whether it be Watchman Nee, A.W. Tozer, Elizabeth Elliott, if it's, um, you know, whoever it might be, but someone. I I know one of the students is reading about Hudson Taylor, reading people who went before us and reading about their life. And it's just so encouraging because you realize this is not some new fad, right? This isn't uh, something so radical. Right. This is this has been the norm of the lives of those that many times we stand in awe of them, but we never go any deeper to see what what is it that actually happened in their life. And so, in sharing, uh, I believe it's chapters one and two over the course of these next episodes from Tozer's book, *The Pursuit of God*, you get a, a deeper dive into. Um, what their life was like and what did god speak to them and then they left those things for us to be able to read so that we can navigate with holy spirit through the days of our lives that we are in right now so let these next episodes be of great encouragement to you as i read from a w tozer's the pursuit of god love you all so we continue on in our summer reading series I continue, Out of the Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Uh, This book, I believe it said previously that it was written in 1948, but how timely is this? This chapter, The Blessedness of Possessing Nothing, that we will now read over our next few episodes, Um, it said in the introduction was written out of the deep, uh, crucible, of Tozer himself um, coming to the place of um, the struggle that he had to turn his only daughter over to God. And um, I, I pray that that will encourage many of you that are out there, uh, for all of us who are contending for the true uh, deliverance of our adult children, well, any of our children, Uh, because we really don't need them to just be nice, well-behaved church kids. We want them to be uh, who they were meant to be to Him. Uh, And so as as I open this up, I just wanted to say uh, my heart is with all of you who are contending for the full and total deliverance of your children unto Him. No matter how successful they may look, Right? You see, from the Father's perspective, whether they look um, you know, undone to the naked eye or they look wonderfully successful, if they are not with him in oneness as the Father has desired, it's all the same to him. They're distant from him and they are rejecting uh, the very purpose of their life which is him. Because I've had to come to a place in my own life um, that I would not uh, any longer just be satisfied with my children looking okay. No, no, no. No, that's for me. That's still full of self. But that they would be his. For my friends, we must be reminded That our children may have been born through us or adopted by us, by God's leading. But they were not made for us, they were made for him. So here we are, chapter 2, the blessedness of possessing nothing. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Before the Lord God made man upon the earth, he first prepared for him a world of useful and pleasant things for his sustenance and delight. In the Genesis account of the creation, these are called simply things. They were made for man's use, but they were meant always to be external to the man and subservient to him. In the deep heart of the man was a shrine where none but God was worthy to come. Within him was God without a thousand gifts which God had showered upon him. But sin has introduced complications and has made those very gifts of God a potential source of ruin to the soul. Our woes began when God was forced out of his central shrine and things were allowed to enter. Within the human heart, things have taken over. Men have now, by nature, no peace within their hearts, For God is crowned there no longer. But there in the moral dusk, stubborn and aggressive usurpers fight among themselves for first place on the throne. This is not a mere metaphor, but an accurate analysis of our real spiritual trouble. There is within the human heart a tough, fibrous root of fallen life, whose nature is to possess, always to possess. It covets things with a deep and fierce passion. The pronouns my and mine look innocent enough in print, but their constant and universal use is significant. They express the real nature of the old Adamic man better than a thousand volumes of theology could do. They are verbal symptoms of our deep disease. The roots of our hearts have grown down into things, and we dare not pull up one rootlet lest we die. Things have become necessary to us, a development never originally intended. God's gifts now take the place of God, and the whole course of nature is upset by the monstrous substitution. Our Lord referred to this tyranny of things when he said to his disciples, out of Matthew 16, 24, and 25, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Close quote. Breaking this truth into fragments for our better understanding, it would seem that there is within each of us an enemy which we tolerate at our peril. Jesus called it life and self, or as we would say, the self-life. Its chief characteristic is its possessiveness, the words gain and profit suggest this. To allow this enemy to live is in the end to lose everything. To repudiate it, to reject and disown it and give up all for Christ's sake is to lose nothing at last, but to preserve everything unto life eternal. And possibly also a hint is given here as to the only effective way to destroy this foe, it is by the cross. Let him take up his cross and follow me. Until next time, as we continue out of chapter 2, think upon these things. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymcready.com or follow her on social media at nbmcready